Here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballon in one of the Sunday morning services. This morning, just want you know to remind you that today is the Palm Sunday. You know, we don't really pay more attention to it, and we don't really try to celebrate the Palm Sunday, but then it is worth to remember and to realize what exactly took place 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem as Jesus was entering into the city of Jerusalem. So this morning, just want to you know, uh, spend a little time on what really took place on the day when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. As Jesus was entering in the donkey, in an animal, Jesus was riding into Jerusalem. We realized the people around Jesus, you know, they were spreading their cloths and they were just, you know, cutting down the tree branches and laying it down on the ground and allowing the donkey to walk over as it was carrying Jesus. And people surrounding him, they were shouting, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna means Lord save us. You know, in the in original ter Hebrew terms, for what it means to a Jew is, Lord, save us. Save us from the deadly things that we are going through. From the persecution that we are going through from the hands of the Romans. Lord, save us. Save us, Lord. For in general, for Christians, it is a, it is a shout of joy. It is a shout of adoration, shout of praise to God Almighty. And Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem. All this thing took place, you know, just a week before he was crucified. Jesus knew very well that he was about to be crucified and he was entering into the city of Jerusalem. As he was entering, it also resembles and tells us Jesus was entering as the king of the Jews. He was entering as the king of kings and lord of lords, not just to really redeem the people of Israel from the hands of the Romans, but he was entering into, the, into Jerusalem as a king of kings in order to redeem us from the hands of the enemy, from the hands of the devil. Let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 10. In fact, all the four scriptures, four, four gospels, they talk about this particular event because it is so significant in the history. Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 10. Now when they drew near Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite to you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Lose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside of the on the street. And they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Losing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloths on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their cloths on the road. And others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We read a description of what really took place in Jerusalem as Jesus was nearing Jerusalem. And this morning I just want to focus all of our attention to really what was going on there before Jesus even was riding into the city of Jerusalem. Verse 2 says, He said to them, Go into the village opposite to you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt, a donkey tied, on which no one has sat. Lose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately, he will send it here. You know, there are four aspects this morning I just want to talk to you. There are four different things that we are just going to focus our attention this morning. God's selection of the animal. God's selection of the animal. One who is bound. One who is tied. And there is a need that the animal needs to be loosed in order to be used by the master. God's selection. And the one who is bound tied and there is a need that he need to be loosed so that he can be used by the master you know that's where I just want to confine what we can discuss what we can share this morning just want to you know let you know this morning that animal that is a donkey the donkey was part of God's plan and so do you and me the donkey was part of God's plan so do you and me. Just want you know, to take your attention. Think about the donkey which was tied at the, by the side of the door, standing on the streets, was in the plan of God. Can you ever imagine? A donkey that is standing at the side of the street, that was in the plan of God. You know, sometimes when we go around, when we drive, we see people just, just hanging around in the streets. We see people, you know, they are just hanging around the streets in the downtown even late in the night. Can you ever imagine that those are the people, they are in the, in the plan of God? We never realize such people, how can be found in the plan of God? Here we see a donkey that's just an ordinary animal. Just found in the corner, somewhere in the far in the village. No one would have heard about that village probably. No one would have ever seen this donkey. It was just tied at the side of the door and just standing at the side of the street. But Jesus saw this animal. Jesus saw this animal. Now when you think about all of us here sitting here, maybe those who are listening, we are born somewhere. Probably if you tell, ask you to tell the name of the village where you are born, nobody knows. Shala brother, which village you are born? Probably he, even, he doesn't remember. <laughs> Namakal. How many of you know Namakal? Maybe it's, it's, yeah, some of you would have heard about that. It's not bad. Right? So I was born in a, in a tea estate. It's called Grand B Tea Estate. How many of you heard that estate? Probably none of you, right? I don't know. If you ask you, how many, where you are born, Debbie? Oh, in Halifax. Thank God we heard about Halifax. <laughs> Someone is born in Halifax, right? Very good. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, some of us were born in places probably nobody knows. Even in Halifax, 
I was talking the, the, on the other day to somebody who, who wanted to come over here. Sorry, I was in my U.S. trip, so I just wanted, I was just uh, telling somebody. They asked, where are you from, Pastor? So I said, from Halifax. Halifax? Where is Halifax? You know, most of us, before we moved to Halifax, probably we never knew about Halifax, right? I mean, it, it's very true that, you know, people, we are all from different parts of the globe. But then, isn't it amazing to know that we were found in God's plan? We were found in God's plan. This donkey that is tied at the side of the road eh, was found in the plan of God. You know, God says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, the very familiar scripture. Scripture says God has a plan for us. God has a plan for every one of us as an individual. God has a plan for each one of us as a family. And as a church, God has a plan. And what is the plan? His plan is always to prosper us. His plan is not to destroy us. You know, sometimes we think that God is against me. Sometimes we hear people saying that God doesn't like me. God is against me. No, that's not true. God is not against you. But God may work in your life such a way that God can bring you up to his expectation so that he can be blessed. You know, God's plan is always to prosper us and to bless us and to give us a future and a hope. And to give us a future and a hope. You know, at times when we are in our lives in such a situation, we don't have hope. But we see when we cry to God, when we call the name of the Lord, and we see God giving hope. God giving hope about our future. Here we see a donkey, an animal, which is probably nobody cared about it. But the donkey was having a place in the mega plan of God. And this morning, I just want to you know, continue to talk a little bit about God's selection there. I was wondering why God selected that animal. There are two aspects to it. One aspect is normally we think about the donkey moment we think about it. It's an ugly animal. We don't like that animal. How many of you just want to go and just stand with the donkey and come on donkey? How many of you want to pet the donkey? I don't think anybody pets a donkey, right? So, you know, people use donkey for various purposes, but then it is just used for that purpose. Nobody likes it because it, it just, it, it, it's not like, you know, some animal which can be liked by everybody. Donkey represents simplicity and humility. It doesn't even speak much. It doesn't even say much. Even if it, and all that it knows, it's kicks, right? So donkey kicks at, a time, at times. So it doesn't even bite. It doesn't even do much. But then it's just a poor animal. It just works, works, works. It just do, does hard work. Donkey represents simplicity and humility. Not liked by everybody. But I was just wondering why it found in the eyes of God. Why it is found in the eyes of God. You know, some of the men and women of God today, God selected them because they were not liked by everybody. It's not that you need to be honored by everybody, you know, to be found favor, to find favor in the sight of God. It's not always that you need to be appreciated by everybody to find favor in the sight of God. Because God looks at inside. God doesn't look at the outside. God's favor was upon this animal. God's eyes found this. But also we need to understand in the ancient days, donkeys were not that bad. Donkeys were also used for riding purpose. Even rich people like Abraham, scripture says in Genesis 22:3, Abraham in the early in the morning, he rose up and he saddled his donkey and he went on a trip. So Abraham used donkey. Solomon, when he was announced as a king, scripture says Solomon rode on a donkey. It was an animal in the earlier days. It was used for this purpose. 
Donkeys were also used for various other work, grinding and plowing and, you know, taking heavy load over them. Donkey is an animal which was used to huge in those days. And Jesus found that animal to ride over into the city of Jerusalem. Donkeys, the reason why Jesus was coming in on donkey, probably this can be the reason, one of the reasons too. Donkey is always a symbol of peace. But horse is a symbol of war. Donkey is also a symbol of peace. And Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem because he was longing the city of Jerusalem may receive peace. May receive peace, but then the city was not willing to receive it. That's the reason Jesus was crying, even as he was entering into the city of Jerusalem. Donkey was an animal selected by God. And this morning, it speaks you and me so much. You know, we may be, you know, some of us may be going through, at times we also think about us so inferior. So inferior. Lord, how can I do this, Lord? Lord, how is it possible that I can do this, Lord? Lord, am I really called to do this? Am I really eligible to do this, Lord? But at times God tells you, my son, my daughter, you are found already in the mega plan of God. You are already found in the mega plan of God. It's not about how much you can do. It's all about how much you are available for God. It's all about how much you are willing to do the work of God. And when you surrender, I can use you. I can use you in your kingdom. This particular animal was selected by God. And Jesus chose this, such an ordinary animal to ride into Jerusalem. This animal was just an ordinary animal. It was not just an elephant. It was not just a camel that you know, people used to drive, ride. But this was just an ordinary animal. But this donkey, this donkey, and master was in need of this donkey. Jesus was in need of this donkey. Probably this donkey was selected by Jesus and he was just waiting for this animal to be brought to into his presence so that he can just ride over this donkey. God calls the ordinary to make extraordinary. Just want to read a scripture from 1 Corinthians, a beautiful scripture, an encouragement for each and every one of us this morning. God calls the ordinary and he changes them into extraordinary. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28. And the base things of the world. Just a base animal donkey was. And you and I may be just considered as just a base. We are just able to make an income just sufficient for our living. We are just able to survive somehow. The base things of the world. And the things which are despised. God has chosen. Word of God very clearly says. Things which are despised and rejected by people. God has chosen them. And the things which are not even they don't exist. Even people don't see them at all. They are not. To bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. When we humble ourselves. And when we surrender and tell Lord. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm just a fool Lord. I'm just a fool. I don't have wisdom to speak. I don't have the ability to do. Lord, I, know I don't have strength to do anything. When we surrender 
And that's where we see God appearing and God calling us and God using us. The reason why he does that no flesh should glory in his presence. God doesn't want anybody coming back and tell that because of my strength, I achieved this. God doesn't want anybody coming back and say, you know, because of my wisdom, I was, you know, in that debate with that person. I made him to, I just convinced him that he accepted Jesus Christ. God doesn't want us to say that. God wants us to say that it is a grace of God. God gave me ability. God gave me strength. God has chosen the foolish things in order to put to shame the wise things of the world. We talked about the selection of God. Let's move further. Now what is really going on with this animal there? Let's turn back to Mark chapter 1, 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 4. Verse 4 says, Mark chapter 11, verse 4. So they went their way, the disciples went as Jesus commanded them, commanded them to do, and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. The moment they went there to bring this animal, they found this animal was, was tied. This animal was tied there. There are various reasons why the donkey is tied. Otherwise, a donkey is not going to stay there, right? Can you imagine a donkey which is set loose? It'll walk everywhere. Right? It'll walk most of the streets. You can see donkeys. So donkey is tied there. Now the donkey is kind of bound there. All that it can do is just it can just come, you know, in that place. It can just move in that place until where the cord can reach. It cannot move further because the donkey is tied. And the donkey cannot go anywhere. Day and night, in sun and rain, the donkey has to just stay there. Because it is tied. This donkey is useless for anybody because it is tied there. And scripture says no one has ever sat on this donkey. Who will go and sit on the donkey which is tied? You want to just give in a pleasure ride? This donkey is tied there and donkey is standing there. Who will just go and want to sit on the donkey which is tied? Nobody probably wants this donkey. No one even ever tried to lose this donkey. But now Jesus is telling disciples, you just go there and lose the donkey which is bound, which is bound. You know, today as we are comparing ourselves to the donkey that is tied there, which was used by God, and which is called by God, which is found in the mega plan of God, and I believe you and I are called, we are found in the mega plan of God. But this morning, God is also telling us to do something. That is basically to look into our lives and to find out whether we are tied with something. Are we tied with something so that we are not able to lose, we are not able to move around, we are not able to be used by God? A couple of things that I just want to throw this morning, the things that we are tied with, the things that we are bound with. Number one, at times we are bound with our traditions. We are bound with our traditions. Scripture says in Mark 7, 8, Jesus, in fact, he said, looking at the Pharisees, as they were trying to find fault with the disciples, and they said, the disciples are eating without washing their hands. And Jesus in response, he spoke and he said, for laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men. You know, at times we find like the donkey which was bound, we also bound in the traditions. What is tradition basically? What is tradition? 
You know, tradition is things that we do without knowing why we do. Tradition is things that we do without knowing for what reason we really do those things. You know, this morning I, I, I noticed when Debbie started praying this morning, she mentioned that, Lord, at times we come here and do without knowing what we do. Just we get into the motion and just keep doing, keep doing. Sunday morning, church. Just come and just do and then go. It becomes traditions easily. It becomes tradition easily. There are some of the traditions that we have. And God is telling it's God is telling us we need to just come out of those traditions to be available for God. It doesn't mean that we are not supposed to do those things, but it means that we need to do those things with knowledge, with knowing what we do. Then it, there is a reason for doing it. You know, at times we praise God. The praise becomes part of us. So we praise God without even knowing what we do, right? Have you been in that experience? I have gone through that experience. We just say praise God, praise, but when we don't think why we do it, we just say, right? And that becomes a waste when we do that. When we consciously praise God, when we praise God, our mind is in unity with God. Our mind really thinks about God. Our mind really thinks about the great things about God. And when we praise, it has meaning. But then when we get into a mode of just doing it, doing it, and especially Pentecostals, when just we are ready to pray, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, we just go on and on and on and on and on and on without even thinking. I'm not saying everybody does that. But then at times I do it. Without my knowledge, I'll be, oh, then later I realize that, oh, okay, probably now I just, you know, tune my mind so that my mind is brought back. Now I just praise God. That makes meaning. Traditional things, you know, there are various other traditions we are, we are bound with. You know, some of those traditions are having root in paganisms. Some of those celebrations that Christianity does today, they do not have root in, in, in biblical roots. They have root in paganism. And as Christians, we keep doing those things in our lives. We are holding onto those traditions. And unless we are bound and released, unless we are set released from those traditions, God cannot use it. Here we see an animal which is tied there and Jesus sent disciples to set them free. Tradition of men. Some of the teachings that went into our lives, it has become a tradition. Some of those things which are not really biblical, you know, we, we listen to those things and we keep the commandments out, outside and we start the listening, the teaching of men. Jesus was looking at the Pharisees. You are worried about disciples washing their hands, but what about your heart? You are worried about external things and what about inside your heart? Jesus is more worried about how pure, how clear our heart is at times. Colossians 2.8, scripture says, Colossians 2.8. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the base principles of the world, and not according to Christ. God is talking about us being bound in our traditions. In our traditions. There are a couple of things we can talk about this morning. At times, we are bound by our words. James 3.10. Just want you to read the scripture. James 3.10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. 
I heard about some of the, you know, it's very sad to share that. I hear about some of the pastors. Some of the believers are so afraid. And if they know, if they don't come to church, if they don't come for a meeting, they say, the pastor curses. I heard saying, I'm so afraid because if I don't come to church for a meeting, the pastor curses. Scripture talks about such people. Out of the same mouth, proceed blessing and cursing. Let's think about for a moment the words that we speak to others. The words that we speak to our children. The words that we speak to our parents. The empty words that we speak to our friends. Out of the same mouth. We use the same mouth to praise God. And do we use the same mouth to speak things which are not godly? God is not pleased. He's saying that we are bound by our words. We are bound by our words. What about our thoughts? Let, let's, let's turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. You know, these scriptures are really hard. But this morning, I believe that, you know, we will take it with an attitude that God is speaking to us. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Scripture talks about the church, our church, in fact, there. Bound by our thought. The thought is that I know everything. I have everything kind of attitude. The churches are having, children of God are having. The scripture is not talking about people outside the church. It's talking about people within the church, inside the church. Verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the church of Laodicea. Laodicea church represents current day church. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Spirit of God was telling about the end day church, like our church. 17 verse says, because you say, this is what the church says and this is what the church thinks. I am rich. Word of God, Spirit of God is writing to not people in the world, but people inside the church. People say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are richard, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You know, Word of God, Spirit of God is telling, people are bound in their thought. People are bound saying that, you know, I do not need anything. I have everything. I have the revelation. I know the word of God. I know how to do things for God. I do not need anything. But this morning, God is telling us, let's not allow ourselves to be bound by our thoughts. Let's not allow ourselves to be bound by our thoughts. At times we are bound. We are also bound by our spiritual blindness at times. Matthew Chapter 15, verses 8, 9, and 14. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. So here we see scripture saying, Jesus, in fact, he said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, that's a tradition and that's a binding we are talking about. We come to God, 
with our mouth, with all our actions, but our heart is far from God. And in vain they worship me. People even worship God. People even worship God in vain. When our heart is not tuned with God, the worship that we do, God says, it is vain. It is vain. And this morning, I believe, Church of God, we need to, we need to awake and we need to pay attention to these scriptures as the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And in vain they worship me, teaching us doctrine, the commandment of men, not the commandment of God, but commandment of men. And if you can read verse 14, let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if they, the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Jesus was talking about the blindness, spiritual blindness that easily comes in our lives if you are not very careful. If you are not very careful to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And here we see that animal which was bound and disciples were sent to untie that animal to be brought into the presence of God. That animal, thirdly, that animal need to be loosed. And disciples came there as Jesus commanded and they untie the donkey and they loose the donkey. You know, God could never use a donkey which is tied there. God wanted a donkey. Jesus, in fact, wanted a donkey which is loosed so that he can ride over it. And how the donkey was loosed, disciples were sent and they untied the donkey and brought the donkey into the presence of Jesus. And today, all the things that we talked about, the things which we are bound with, how can we be loosed? There is only one way. Only one way. Scripture says that over and over again, the only one way by which we can be loosed is by repenting. By repenting and by renouncing it, we are set loosed. Think about Jonah. Think about Jonah. Jonah was brought into the belly of the fish. And if you can read in Jonah chapter 2, the whole chapter 2 talks about his repentance. Jonah's repentance eventually saved his life. You know, if Jonah would not have repented, the fish should have digested Jonah. Fish should have just ate it off. Ate him off. But Jonah repented. And sitting in the belly of the fish, Jonah repented. Repentance brings deliverance. Think about David when he fell in sin. He came to the Lord crying to God. And he repented. And his repentance brought him back into the plan of God. God still continued his plan in his life. You know, when we repent, when we ask God to set us loose from our traditions, Lord, I just need to have an open mind, open spirit to receive from you, Lord. You know, God sets us loose. And finally, when we are set loose, we are used by the master. Here we see the donkey, which is brought into the presence of Jesus, set loose, and it is ready to be used by the Lord donkey. The tied donkey was useless. Couldn't be used by anybody. And it need to be untied. And Jesus and his disciples. And we need to be set loose by repenting. Coming into repentance in the presence of God. Crying out to God. Asking sorry to him. Crying out really from the bottom of our heart. Saying sorry to God. Lord, what is going on in my life, Lord? Lord, forgive me. When we do that, verse 7 says, back to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Verse 7 says, Then they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and Jesus sat on it. And Jesus sat on it. The donkey originally found in the place of God's plan. It was neglected by everybody 
But Jesus found the donkey and he sent his disciples to untie the donkey. Now the donkey is brought back into the presence of God. And now we see the donkey is used by God. You know, same thing is happening in our lives too. When we were living in our sinful life, when we are living so deep in our traditions, when we repent, God sets us free and we come into the presence of God and that's where we see God using us. Let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Here scripture says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. If you walk into any great house, if you walk into your house probably, there are a couple of vessels, you just should have kept that in the showcase. Right? They are just beautiful, maybe gold or silver, you just want to, you don't want to use it every day, you just keep it in the showcase. Some of those vessels are, you know, used every day in the kitchen. And if you have children, those vessels are everywhere in the house, right? That's, that's taken and used by the children too. Everywhere you can see vessels. They are used every day. Some of those vessels, which you don't really care about, they are just thrown into the corner and we never use it. That's what scripture is talking about. But in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also vessels of wood and clay. And some for honor, some for dishonor. Some of those vessels, they are ugly. They don't, nobody wants to use it. Probably you're just waiting for a time to just, you know, trash them. You don't you know, use it for you know, any longer. You just kept those vessels there. They are called vessels of dishonor. Therefore, verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from the later, means some of those vessels which are considered as dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Think about the donkey, which was tied there. Disciples went there and untied the donkey. Now, which was not used, which was considered as a dishonor. Now it is brought into the presence of the living God. And when it came to Jesus, Jesus started riding over the donkey. And wherever the donkey went, people were just falling, throwing their cloths and leaf branches on the floor. And they were just giving way because the donkey is carrying the master. You know, the honor that comes in our lives, it doesn't come because who we are and what we are. It comes you know, the, the, the one who, whom we, our life is committed to. The one who resides in our hearts. The one who works through our lives. Here we see the donkey is honored because it was considered as a vessel of dishonored. But it was untied. When we repent, when we surrender those areas to God. And when we try to come out of those areas in our lives and hold on to God, Lord, just be available to God. Just be available to for the teachings of the word of God. And ask God, Lord, Tell me what you want me to do, Lord. I am available. When we come into that understanding with God, it talks about the vessel of honor. The vessel of honor sanctified, which came out of repentance and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. No doubt that we are found in the plan of God. And this morning, God is talking to us and helping us to understand, are we still bound 
or we are set loose so that God can use us. In order to close, God calls the extraordinary and he makes them into extraordinary. But as long as we are tied with our traditions, our words and our thoughts and our blindness, God cannot really use us and God expects us to be delivered. The only way we can be delivered is not by somebody praying for us, but by we praying for ourselves. We are ask, we asking repentance to God and we renounce, we reject those things in our lives and we decide to follow Lord Jesus Christ. When we do that, then we become a vessel used by the master. But this morning, the good thing is that we find, we are found in the mega plan of God. God is amazing. God is strengthening us this morning. God is speaking to us. And he's telling us, my son, my daughter, I have a plan for you. But until then, I just want you to know that you need to be open. You need to be available for me. Just want you to know you just be willing to do anything that I want you to do. Because God has a plan. God at times teaches us from the word of God. And whenever I take the word of God and study and meditate, I find God teaching me to untie certain things in my life. Because all that God expects in our lives is to be available and to be open to the word of God. When we do that, he delivers us. As we renounce, as we set those things go in our lives, and so as we forget those things, push those things away, and as we move forward, God is willing to use us as a vessel of honor. And this morning, we are found in the plan of God. Shall we close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.